it fundamentally comes down to do you know what you're doing and are you confident in yourself? I say this to everyone regarding whatever endeavor they're taking on, whether it's my clients or my friends. If you don't believe in yourself, under what grounds do other people have to believe in you? Welcome back to the Bold Ambition Podcast, where we discuss bold, ambitious women who are killing it in their personal and professional lives. Today, we are joined by the lovely Kelly Meng, who is a UT student, entrepreneur, and very passionate doggy mom. If you want to know more about how she grew and started her business during the pandemic while combating imposter syndrome, and now she has ambitions and plans to move to New York City in January, right after she graduates, stay tuned and listen to our conversation with the lovely Kelly Meng. Hi, my name is Kelly Meng. I am currently a student at the University of Texas at Austin. I am majoring in biochemistry with a minor in business. And my professional background includes that of marketing. I currently work at a boutique real estate firm here in South Austin called Spyglass Realty, where I am the marketing director. And in my free time, I coach entrepreneurs and small business owners on how to maximize productivity. Yay, love it. So Kelly and I actually met when we were both recruiting for Darlins, uh, an organization here on campus, a spirit organization that I've talked about on my podcast before. And Kelly, like remind me, but we just clicked like so well that night. You actually, but she got in. I didn't (laughs) that that first time. And then the second time, um, I mean, I got in, yeah, my second round. We we had both come to the event by ourselves. It was like a downtown with Darlins type of thing and I think we kind of just like held on to each other because we didn't know anyone else but yeah good times because that was like two years ago 20 that was so long ago but honestly it just seems like yesterday doesn't it yes it does you were you were a sophomore I think or were you a freshman no you were a sophomore I think I was a sophomore yeah well yeah that's amazing because we've grown a lot since then I think we each like found our own like passions this has been a while the last time I saw you I was when we went on a hike also in the summer when I you and you took your dog yes we went to the green belt and we walked around and we momentarily lost Louie my dog it was just a whole day I connected with Kelly again because I saw that she was doing amazing things on her Instagram. She did uh, like an update post for all of her fellow followers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and through that post, you mentioned that you started your own business, that you're graduating this December, that you're taking off to New York. So there's a lot to discuss. And I guess before we get into it, first of all, I want to know why did you choose the major that you're studying right now, but you're doing something completely different. I think when I met you, I even said, oh, like marketing and biochemistry, like that's, that's an interesting combo. Like tell me about why you chose that combo. Absolutely. So when I was younger, back in junior and senior year of high school, I attended this academy in North Texas called the Texas Academy of Mathematics and Science at the University of North Texas. And basically everyone there was either a doctor or had ambitions to become a doctor or had ambitions to become an engineer. And back then, of course, I wanted to go to college and pursue biochemistry with hopes of being a doctor. I wanted to be an OBGYN back then. And basically that kind of fell into shambles when I actually got into UT and realized that the lifestyle that I would be living 
if I really wanted to go into medicine, would not actually line up with the lifestyle that I wanted to live, right? For example, I didn't want my life to be just on call all the time. I didn't really want my life to be in the hands of other people, despite how much I wanted to help people. And so entering UT, I discovered the plethora of opportunities here and the different directions that people can go in, right? So that marked the first step of my career change. I stopped wanting to be a doctor and I started wanting to do something different, something that combines my love for helping other people, but also making things. I've always been a creator at heart, right? So with my biochemistry degree, I really wanted to go into cosmetic formulation. I thought that was really interesting. Back in the day, I wanted to be a makeup artist, so to speak. I remember that. You also said you wanted to create makeup lines, right? Or like create your own line. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, given my, given my background in science and hard sciences, I thought that I had the skill set to go into almost like dermatology, but specifically in the niche of formulation, specifically working for big companies such as L'Oreal, such as Estee Lauder and do product development, product formulation, all that good stuff, right? Unfortunately, <laughs> come junior year summer, I tried my hardest and did not get any internships. So that was kind of the big roadblock that I had encountered in my second transition of career decisions. But in this internship hunt, were you specifically looking for something in the makeup industry or what were you looking for? I was kind of at a vocational crossroads, so to speak. And what I mean by that was this whole time throughout college, in the midst of me making all these career changes, I had this internship turned full-time position at a real estate company, Spyglass Realty, which I still work at. And I was hired there originally to be the marketing assistant. Someone just needed an assistant to do marketing. I didn't have formal education in marketing. And I said, you know what, why not? I would love the extra money. I would love to learn some industry knowledge about marketing. And so I took that job. So come junior year summer, I really wanted to expand and I didn't really want to be limited by the internship experience that I had up to that point, which is solely in very niche marketing, right? So real estate marketing is very, very niche. Can't really be applied to a corporate world, right? But that's all the experience that I had and I didn't really have a degree to back it up either. So to answer your question, that was primarily what I was looking for. I wanted to break out of the sphere that I was in and leverage the experience that I had made up to that point. You, you expressed that it was just kind of side money. And then what was the point when it turned into a full-time job? It was the summer of 2018 that I started the internship, back then internship at Spyglass Royalty. Like I said, they needed an assistant to handle some sort of marketing stuff, namely social media management, you know, like graphic design, that kind of stuff. And that's when I started. And then the point that I turned into a full-time position was, I would say that December, the December of 2018 onward was when they said, you know, we love having you here. You get a lot of work done. You handle things on your own. You're very autonomous. We don't ever have to worry about you. We would love to just have you work here, flexible hours. You can bring your dog, which was fantastic because my dog has really bad separation anxiety. So he's the, he's the office dog, so to speak. And you can do all this stuff. Like we'd love to keep you here to which I said, yeah, heck yeah. Right. So that was the start of the journey of how I started to balance school with this essentially full-time job. I was working 30 to 35 hours a week. Let's, but you mentioned balancing school and this full-time job. Do you feel like taking on that many hours affected your college experience 
negatively or positively in some way? Did you have to sacrifice a little bit of your social life or your academics? Fundamentally speaking, I definitely did sacrifice stuff, right? I'm innately a very extroverted person. I feel like I get along with other people pretty well, but come to it, if I can't pay rent, then that's just the sacrifice you have to make, right? And honestly, I brought it upon myself to want to live this very, I wouldn't even say extravagant, but I definitely don't settle for for day-to-day life. Like if I want a coffee out, I'll get a coffee out type of situation, right? So when we talk about sacrifices, I definitely feel like I did make some, but in retrospect, I would never say that it detracted from my college experience. I made fantastic friends. Um, I got into a great long-term relationship. I got a dog. I rescued a loving dog from the Austin Animal Center, and it's been all around great. I live a great life. I don't really have any regrets in retrospect, even if at the time it was kind of not the best. You're about to graduate in December. Yes. How has the pandemic affected your post-graduation plans? I think the pandemic, as possibly insensitive as this sounds, was almost, to me specifically, a blessing in disguise. Again, not to, det- not to detract from multitude of lives that it's affected, but for me specifically, I do think that had this pandemic and had the whole work from home situation not happened, I wouldn't be sitting here today on this podcast talking about or about to talk about my business. And that wouldn't have happened. The whole thing wouldn't have happened because, you know, if you spend 40 hours a day or 40 hours a week at an office with other people, your time is not in your own hands. Your time is in control of other people. So the pandemic has served me specifically pretty well because it created an opportunity from scratch. Yes. So tell me about this business that you started during the pandemic when everyone started working from home. So it's actually a pretty funny story how I got to this point that I'm at right now. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I spend most of my free times coaching small business owners or successful entrepreneurs or even budding entrepreneurs on how to streamline productivity, whether it's for themselves, whether it's um, prioritizing goals and stuff like that, or even managing a small team. So that all started because I wanted my dog to start pet modeling. Let me explain. I had rolled across this website called Fiverr, fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R. And basically it's a job board, so to speak. So you post what you are, you are able to offer to other people in a very short sentence. So for example, I will design your logo. I will organize your Excel, right? There's a lot of nice business marketing things on there, like very professional, very very good. And then on a a very hidden tab called lifestyle, they have very interesting things on there. So for example, there's this one, my my personal favorite is this one guy who dresses up in a Jesus costume and he stands in front of a green screen and his gig is called, I will say anything in a Jesus costume for you. And it's like five bucks. And it's like fantastic because he has a bajillion different previews of what he's done for other people. And it's so funny, right? So I was perusing the catalogs of Fiverr one day when I thought, wow, I should get into pet modeling because other dogs do it. Why can't Louie do it, right? And so I, I kind of made a little posting on there. And then once I made the posting on there, I was looking into it a little bit more deeply. And I saw this whole column of quote unquote life coaches, right? So usually when people hear anything grand and encompassing like that, all of a sudden, right off the bat, they're skeptical. 
you know, what's so great about your life where you can coach me to live a better life? That sounds like a scam right off the bat, right? And then there was this one girl who did the specific thing called accountability coaching. And I read into what she did and what she offered and what she was charging, which at the, at the time, I think it was $175 for like daily calls or something like that. And so I thought to myself, if she can do it, why can't I do it? And so I made myself a fun little posting. Bear in mind, this was back in January of 2019. No, 2020, January of 2020. And then I kind of just let it sit there. And so how Fiverr works is based on what people search, you'll pop up or not pop up, right? So undoubtedly, there were some people who searched for accountability coaches. There were people who searched for life coaches. There were people who searched for, you know, like productivity coaches. And I kind of just left it there for a while. And while Lou's pet modeling gig gained traction over time, my endeavor did not, which is okay. Because, you know, I had a full-time job. I had everything in line. I had uh, money coming in. I wasn't you know, desperate for this by any means. I kind of just let it sit there. Nothing happened for a couple of months. And then come March, in the middle of March, when the pandemic in the U.S. at least hit its peak, that's when, surprisingly, it caught a little bit more traction. That's when people started to say, hey, I'm really not getting that much done. I'm stuck at home all day. Um, work from home is weird, especially for people who you know haven't worked from home before. Kind of want to seek some help. And so bear in mind, I have zero sales experience. I have never worked in any sort of direct sales. I don't do, even though I work in real estate, I don't do real estate, right? I don't take calls or anything like that. And so I just took it upon my own hands when the first person who was interested reached out and said, hey, let's do this. And I said, hell yeah, let's do it, right? Like, why not? And so you take it by the reins and you just ran with it. And fast forward to now, I am making a reasonably sustainable income from this with big plans on growth for next year as well. So within the span of a couple of months, this has really blown up into something a lot bigger than I could have ever expected. How do you position yourself as the expert, as a fellow college girl, you know? They probably get on Zoom with you or get on the phone with you and they're like, oh shit, like you're young, you know? It's the reality that we face and I'm sure if if men were doing it, they wouldn't get those questions. Absolutely not. Yeah, but I want to know like, how do you combat that? Surprisingly, it hasn't really come up more than once because I'm pretty upfront about it. And maybe I am biased. I'm Asian, like I'm Chinese. So Asian people don't really age, right? So I can always just lie about my age, which admittedly I had done once, right? But now I'm very open about it. (laughs) To answer your question, one of the most difficult things that I had to combat getting up to this point would be to establish myself as someone who knows what they're talking about, right? Imposter syndrome is so real. And I could talk on and on and on about this. I'm fairly certain I've, wrote, I've written a blog post about this before, but it fundamentally comes down to, do you know what you're doing and are you confident in yourself? Because I say this to everyone regarding whatever endeavor they're taking on, whether it's my clients or my friends, if you don't believe in yourself, under what grounds do other people have to believe, on your, believe in you, right? So that's the biggest thing that I'd had to combat. And the way I combat it is and this can this can be translated across a lot of different things especially in self-employment or any sort of situation where you are creating your own future they're coming to you in hopes that you actually know what you're talking about aka they're taking that initial consult with you or they're even talking to you begin to begin with 
because they want you to be right. They want you to succeed. If they didn't believe in you, they wouldn't be talking to you. It's just that simple. So granted, it's a lot of practice. It's a lot of um, believing in yourself and going through those first couple of crappy, you know, like, I can't believe I said that in retrospect, like that doesn't even make sense type of thing. And then you get a better sense of, okay, this is what people respond well to. And this is how I'm going to keep doing it. So fundamentally believing in yourself as cliche as that sounds, being confident in yourself and knowing that you and the person that you're selling to, even if it's not direct sales, right? Even if it's not an immediate connection, they're there because they want to be there and they want you to be right. So if everyone's on your team, what should, what should be stopping you? So would you also say that there was a lot of trial and error, error, like maybe the first meeting that you took back in March is definitely not the way that your current meetings go? Like you found your flow or how did that process go? It's definitely a trial and error thing, right? And that's, that's with anything that you take on for the first time, especially by yourself. You don't know what's going to work. And usually that's enough to deter people from not doing it. A lot of people just say, I'm scared of failing, so I'm not even going to try. But in saying that, you don't even know if you're going to fail. You don't even open up yourself to the possibility of failing. And that in and of itself is also something to be celebrated, right? So many people say, I want to do this. And then I ask them, why not? Like, why haven't you done it? They're like, you know, I don't know. I can't give you an answer. That's not good. So with anything that I found thus far, it's always an iterative process and it's always evolving because you don't know what's going to work. And that can be said about anything. That can be said about how my current business works. That can be said about down to, for example, like the software that I use. I could hate my software, right? But maybe I loved it a month ago, but now I hate it. And that's fine because you want to be improving. You don't ever want to be stagnant. You don't ever want to fall under the assumption that just because it worked before doesn't mean that it's always going to work. And I think growth is a big thing of that, big part of that. And that should be celebrated versus frowned upon. So to answer your question, it is definitely an iterative process. And even, even to this day, right, I still don't think I'm perfect. I still think I could be adding more value to the table. So the table's ever shifting. Um, we're, always, we're always growing over here. And that's what um, I really preach in my coaching as well. So going back to to what goes on in these sessions. Can you give us a little sneak peek of like how these sessions go? How it goes is for my clients, we usually have some sort of structure to how frequently we meet. It's either weekly or bi-weekly, sometimes even more than that. Usually that doesn't really bode well for either of us. It's just too many, too many calls, right? <laughs> but the outline to that would usually be we hop on a call, assuming that we've been working together for a while, right? This is not the first call. We talk about last week? How did last week go? How have things changed since the last time that we talked? What were the successes? What might have been some of the setbacks? Let's talk about that, right? It's a, it's a very open and honest space for talking, not in a therapy-esque way, <laughs> but in a constructive, this went really well, but you know, I don't know why I just couldn't get myself to do X, Y, Z, even though I said I would. It's starting the conversation and starting to foster this environment where it's safe to talk about stuff. Again, not in a extremely therapeutic way, just in a, just in a helpful, constructive way. From there, we take those, we realign them with what the priorities are and the goals that we had set for the month, for the year, anything like that, right? My coaching is very heavily focused on goal setting and making sure that we can reverse engineer what our goals are, where we want to be versus the action items that we can take 
between now and then, right? So I don't want to just work and work and work aimlessly. I want to be able to say, if we want to get this done by the end of the month, for the first week of the month, we have to do this, this, and this. For the second week of the month, it's contingent on this, but we also got to do this, this, and this, so on and so forth. We make some sort of, it's not really a document, but we use this platform called Notion. Notion is like a, it's like Google Sheets, Trello, and Asana had a baby. Whoa, that sounds like it's, the most beautiful platform. <laughs> it's so aesthetic and it's very customizable, which is why I chose to use it. But again, going back to the iterative process conversation, to this day, I still don't know if I love Notion, right? Once upon a time, I loved it. But now that my, my business is growing a little bit and I cater to different people now, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I love this. So then we get some sort of list sorted out on Notion so that they have a clear roadmap to follow between the time that we talk and the next time that we talk. And then their process repeats. That's what happens. That's how we get stuff done around here. Do you feel like you follow the same process in your own life? How, how do you navigate this full-time job, your relationship, you know, your dog, you're about to move, you know, you still have schoolwork. Shit, I forgot you're a student. <laughs> and, and then this business as well. Like, how do you stay on task? Do you also follow your same like advice? I think I do. And I think it's a combination of what I do currently and what I've done historically up to this point to be able to say, I know this process works. I'm a case study. <laughs> Look at me now. So if it works for me, it should work for you. It should work for your business. And we can just make alterations as they come. Now, you're about to graduate you are moving to New York City. How did you make this decision? Was it, you know, it's not just you, it's you and your dog and your boyfriend and you're taking your career with you and you're taking this, this business with you. Tell me about what that looks like. First and foremost, I'm just so excited. I've been thinking about this day since probably when I was 18. I had fallen in love with this notion that everyone in New York is, you know, hustle and bustle. They're, they're real life examples of, oh my God, I'm going to get so much done. And the, the city that never sleeps is so true. It really is solidified whenever my boyfriend and I had visited over Christmas time last year. And granted, you know, when you're a tourist versus when you live there, it's different, right? But I also have friends who attest to living there saying that it's really fun. And I mean, rent's ridiculously expensive, but you know, you, you, you make it work. And for the first time, Granted, it's the pandemic and given my, given my situation, I have for the first time in my life the liberty to be able to work from wherever I want. I don't have to job hunt per se in New York because, you know, I already have a job. In fact, I have two jobs basically because, again, Spyglass was ever so kind to give me a full-time offer, like a real full-time offer with like benefits and everything. So exciting. I love whenever <laughs> thank like, you, thank you. yeah, like when seniors are like, like a, like a real full-time offer, like <laughs> yeah, benefits, yeah. salary, all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like time off. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely so, something to celebrate. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was the first time in my life where I get to be, for lack of better words, I get to be selfish. You know, I get to move to somewhere that I want to with no real restrictions aside from housing because my job doesn't tie me down anywhere. If I wanted to take these calls every day in Bali, I could. If I wanted to go to Denmark, I could. So I want to start in New York. I want to kind of find my ground, start my grown up adult life in New York, so to speak. And yeah, I think it's really fun. And we just checked yesterday, the tickets are sub 100, which is crazy. I can't wait to see like 
where you take your business once you also step foot in New York and you're exposed to a whole new network of people yeah. that can become clients and will be Absolutely. good paying clients. Like, For sure. Do you have like a specific timeline that is maybe, oh, by this date, I want to take this business full time? Surprisingly, I don't really have a timeline yet, but I would say the, the sooner the better, obviously, right? Like if I could just take calls every day and grow my business every day and have exponentially more money coming in from that than my day job, 100%. 100% would take the plunge any day, right? But I think with any reasonable decision, you have to have a very solid cushion, especially if you're going to live in a very high expense city like New York. You have to think logically about if I need to get a lease for this much a month, I don't know if you know this, but in the housing market over there, you have to have proof of income for 40 times the amount of the rent that you're paying. So for example, if you want to get somewhere, lease, that's um, $2,000 a month, you have to show proof of income that you make $80,000 a year. I think I did know that. I think I've seen like YouTube videos about how crazy the New York real estate market is. How is the apartment hunt going? This is all very contingent on whether or not I'll actually like it there. So to kind of soften the blow a little bit, what we've decided to do is get a like a short-term Airbnb rental over there to take advantage of the fact that people have places and they're at like a very extreme discount, right? So I got a place basically a block from Central Park, which is like probably the only time I'll ever be able to live that close to Central Park. I'm so excited. (laughs) It's only for two months because I think two months would be enough time for me to gauge one, whether or not I actually like it there. And two, if I like it there, it'll give me enough time to tour a couple different places and sign a lease and start buying furniture and stuff like that. I've heard that, you know, you don't really start looking until a week or two out of your move in date because apartments go so fast. Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's a really solid idea. So apart from your business and, you know, your full-time job that you're taking to, with you to New York, what other aspirations do you have while you're in the city? Like personally, what is something that you're looking forward to as Kelly? That's a great question. And I think honestly, I'm still riding the high of just being able to go there. Like I have such a privilege to be able to not only choose whether or not I want to move there, but move to such an expensive place right off the bat. I hate saying this word, but I am just so blessed to be able to even be thinking about that right now. So to answer your question, I don't actually have any (laughs) right off the bat that I formed previous to this call no yeah that's fair like you already have a lot on your plate to be kidding like first (laughs) first let's get there and then we'll decide yeah (laughs) no totally fair you say you're an extrovert do you already have friends in new york city that live there that you'll kind of like bounce to because i've heard and i know that it's really hard to make friends and just be social in New York City. Not maybe not be social, like you can go out anytime and there's people out, but it's really hard to make solid good friends. So I think with the pandemic, I've almost molded to someone who doesn't, as terrible as this sounds, I'm extroverted in my characteristics, but I don't think I have that innate desire at this point in time to always be like, oh my God, I need to hang out with someone. I need to see someone because, and again, as crazy as this sounds, my dog can do that for me. (laughs) And that's honestly a really big reason why I'm so happy to have rescued Louie when I did 
because, you know, at the time I was just so stressed about how stressed he was, how, um, how I got noise complaints, how he was just making it kind of difficult. So then going back to goals, actually, I know back in the day, pre-pandemic and everything, a goal that I actually had for myself was I wanted to make Louis's life as good and as easy and happy as possible. And I wanted to work from home so that I could be able to be with Louis every day, right? And that's actually, as cliche as that sounds, that was something that I had heavily considered. So that even adds to the fact that the pandemic, for me at least, was such a blessing in disguise because had that not happened, I wouldn't be on this trajectory at all. It's just crazy to think about. Now back to your professional life. What are your professional aspirations like five to eight years from now? I've always talked about this, but I want to have like a buttload of dogs. I want to have friends for Louis. <laughs> That's something that I definitely see in my future. I also, around that time, would want to have some sort of property purchased because I think rent is like such a big scam. <laughs> I would want to have some sort of property purchased somewhere in America, ideally, you know, in New York, but that would be something that I would like to see. I would want to start thinking about starting a family and settling down because, you know, five years down the line, we're still fairly young, right? So that would be around the time where I start thinking about that and making plans for that because my biggest goal at around that time, five years is more than enough time, I think, for me to really not only scale my business, but also automate my business. So however many hours that I'm working right now toward, and I'm just talking about my business, right? However many hours that I'm working for it right now, I don't really want to do this forever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's tiring. The, the stupid saying where it's like the grind doesn't stop you, right? It, it really doesn't because if you, the sole owner of the business, don't contribute to it, it's not growing. That's that's just the reality, right? So um, I think five years down the line, I want to be in a financial position where I can continue to grow my business without it taking a direct toll on how much time I have. Even to this day, you know, I have a handful of clients and they're all great and I love talking to them, right? But I don't really want to spend like 20 hours in front of the computer every single day on top of my day job just to take calls. So that's one of my biggest goals. Well, thank you so much for for being on the podcast, Kelly. This was an amazing conversation. I think you're an inspiration and you're, again, living, breathing example of like bold, ambitious planner, like go-getter that I just, I love that energy. I love that energy in women. I always find myself surrounded by women with that same energy. Please share where we can find you, like Instagram, website. Absolutely. My website is kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, meng, M-E-N-G, dot me, not com, not co, but me. Not because I wanted it, but because it was the only one active and didn't cost a shitload of money. So that's where everyone can find me. I'm also active on Instagram. I think it's kelly meng with G's. And if you wanted to email me for whatever reason, my email is hello at kellymeng.me. Yay! <laughs> I loved the whole, not come, not co, but me. That was really clever. Yes, yes thank you. <laughs>